0: Welcome to Massive Damage Adventures, a one-shot, actual-play, role-playing game podcast. My name is Merrick Moyer. I'm the dungeon master, storyteller, lore master, and all-around host. Every month, I run a one-shot using a different system, pulling in a different cast of players. All intellectual properties, including game materials, setting material, music, and whatever else, are used without permission. None of them are ours. We're just using them to enhance our gameplay but an extra special thank you to Hayden Lister for letting us use his song Rediscovery as our intro. Check out more of his music at ReverbNation.com slash Hayden Lister, H-A-Y-D-E-N-L-I-S-T-E-R. Also, please rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at SkyHammerK and on Instagram at SkyHammerPress. If you want to run your own games and need a few ideas, check out our social media Roll D4 Adventure prompts. And, if you pledge a dollar a month at patreon.com skyhammerpress, you get four full adventure seeds on every Roll D4 adventure. This episode has been sponsored by Roll20. If you need a virtual tabletop, go to roll20.net to sign up for a free account and get playing. With a marketplace for tokens, maps, and adventures, there's always something to add to your game. Plus, if you pay for a subscription you'll unlock premium features like dynamic lighting, more storage space, customizable character sheets, and special animated effects. Today, we are playing Cortex Prime by Fandom, designed by Cam Banks. It is the latest of a number of iterations of the Cortex system. Uh, This latest version has been designed to be a modular RPG. Just straight out of the core book, it's not a game ready to play. There are settings in the book that you can use to uh, play a game immediately, but the real power of Cortex Prime is the fact that you can create whatever you want. There's sort of a core resolution mechanics uh, system, and then there's dozens of mods that you add on to customize your experience and create the the game that you are looking for. So, to review that, I decided to finally play a game in Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive because I love the books, I love the world, I love his writing, and I have been wanting to play in it for years. I've thought about adapting it with the 2D20 system, um, with Genesis, and I did think about it with Cortex, but this time we used Cortex Prime. So... To sort of review how this went and what's going on, I have Alex and Patrick here with me, uh, both two big fans of the Stormlight Archive, and we're going to talk about the game, without spoilers, so that you can hear kind of what we thought, and then we'll go into it. So, Alex, Patrick, say hello. 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 Okay, so, I mean, just off the cuff like what did you what did you think of Cortex Prime
1: uh, in general I really liked that we were able to just kind of take this list of the different um, categories of stats and we can basically fill in our own things so you know we took uh, Stormlight Archive specific attributes and values and plunked them in there and um, it's I found it really interesting because it kind of makes your, your head work a little bit more to kind of fit in which things kind of fall under what categories. And um, so there's a bit more creativeness to each of your actions um, in trying to make the combination of uh, attributes and values and things. And um, I, I, yeah, I just love that it was so simple to just plug those in and okay, now we've got a list of things that we can generate and, um, you know, rank as our character would be uh, better at, worse at, etc. And I guess that's good
2: enough
1: it was a fairly easy character team. creation um, in that manner. Once I kind of understood how it was going, it took me a second to um, fully understand exactly what was going on. But once I did, it was like, oh, okay. So I just kind of you know throw these in and make my adjustments and decide, and voila, a character. You know. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Let me jump in real quick there, just as an explainer for anybody who hasn't played the system or looked at it yet. Um, every Cortex Prime game will have distinctions. Your character starts with these three descriptors that are all ranked at a D8. And then you start picking other sets that build characters. So in our case, we chose attributes, which, you know, pretty straightforward rpgs Uh, we went with five uh, courage faith guile reason and vigor and then the other one that you might pick is like a skills list we decided to go with values and we used the 10 heraldic virtues from stormlight archive and so those three sets kind of put together make your dice pool Uh, patrick go ahead what did you think of cortex prime
3: well i'm always a fan of a system that lets you it doesn't uh sort of you know sh- shoehorn you into this is exactly what it has to be uh i there's there's way too many uh properties in the world uh and and fun things that i would love to adventure in that really don't make a shift into the basic systems and so a system that is like hey you just take this sort of basic framework for a role playing game and then you just name the things whatever you want to call them that sort of apply to your world with this sort of framework. And then you just get to play that. You just get to play the fun thing that you love the most. Like, you could play literally anything in this. And that that opens up, uh, in terms of what it is that you can do, so much more. And I just love a system that is, and what I thought was incredibly difficult just looking at it, playing it is incredibly simple. You just form a dice pool and then you just, you know, it's not, it's not crazy difficult.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, that's great. I love, I also love the freedom of it. The problem I think with generic systems that way is that because it's so free, you don't get the curated experience. Like when you want to play D and D you're playing a combat simulator and you're trying to solve a fun combat puzzle and you've got your character that you're building. Do either of you think that cortex wouldn't have that sort of core enjoyable experience or do you think that you can find that through their modding
1: I think well for one um, one thing that we didn't get into was uh, an experience system or a progression system which you suggested Um, so if we were playing this long term you said that there are ways that we could turn things into permanent assets and things like that and so um, in that way I feel like there is that kind of progression of, um, you know, in for our specific set, for example, like um, Nimi had a favorite pair of uh, uh, knuckle dusters that she used to have, but that was what she was looking for at the very beginning of our session. Um, and so uh, for that, for example, would be something that I would want to turn into a permanent ex- asset later on. And that's, you know, in my mind of, uh, something that she would always want to draw on. And um, and so, you know, there is that possibility for a path, but it is a bit, there is a lot more freedom. So um, I think that, yes, uh, you can still have that kind of advancement feeling, but it's just a lot more free form. And that's, that's kind of what the system is, is that everything is a bit more free form. So you can kind of create those things as you go um whereas in something like dnd you've got a very specific you know at each level of this class you get these exact abilities um where that can kind of sometimes hinder the um roleplay aspect of sometime thing of progression at times because you know if i just went through this giant arc like um just a, a semi-real-life example for us, in, for example, is Naftori in our D&D game. Uh, he was a warlock fighter who went paladin, um, but trying to narratively get there was somewhat difficult with the leveling system because there were certain abilities that's like, okay, I've got to get three levels of paladin now to get to that you know, that one ability that I really want to show off for this. Whereas in this system, I can be like, okay, so I'm at this point in my story with this character. So I want to pick up this permanent asset for myself that will add to my character and add to my
3: whole personal progression. I liken a lot uh, to, in terms of our childhoods, uh you you pick up an action figure and you're playing with that and it's very set in what it is uh that's that's like the D&D you know you're this and it's more difficult to sort of stretch your mind outside of what that is whereas sort of like Cortex Prime is more like you have Lego uh and you're building what you want and e- adding on to it is a lot easier and and shifting uh is a lot easier in terms of uh using your mind to well it's it's a lot less of a gap to jump between what you think you want to be and what is your what you currently are there's a lot less well how do i how do I get there like i'm gonna have to write a bunch of stuff we're probably gonna probably have to go on an adventure to why do I have this suddenly uh and that can be done it's just it's a lot a lot more difficult rather than this where it's like just sort of a piecemeal you just add on. Or oh, you want a thing that uh, you're sort of thinking about? Well, you just add that on. Now you have an asset in that, or you just get this thing, and, you know, your skills go up.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, especially if, like... Okay, so your character... Um, no spoilers, just generically talking. Your character's using a weapon. Uh, say they it's, it's Stormlight Archive. They are a spear user. And you don't have that. But when you get into a fight, the only thing available to you is a sword. And you pick up that sword and you add a plot point and it becomes an asset for that scene. And then later you become permanent with it. And you're, you've you added this story where your character drew a sword and used it in a fight and they begin to learn it. But then a couple of sessions down the road, there's no sword available and they have to grab the spear again. You're not really penalized. You get start building that immediately. Like you'd said, you don't have to wait the levels to get to the, uh, efficiency. You get the story first and then you can sort of fine tune it as well. Yeah. So since we're kind of combat adjacent, what did you think of the, uh, core mechanic of contests and crisis pools in place of uh, a standard initiative action uh economy system
3: I loved it I love the the there so there can be an enemy that is uh you just have to whittle them down it's not hit points you just have to beat certain thresholds in the i the mob like the the guys you have to just you, 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 it's not so much like, now we're going to go on this huge back and forth uh, that might you know drag out for, for hours depending on whether or not you can hit or miss. Uh, you're just hitting certain thresholds. And even if you're just kind of succeeding, you're still whittling down, which also reduces their effectiveness. So it's less for you to take. I love that system. That's like being able to reduce someone else's effectiveness, which they're also doing to us in terms of consequences. Uh it it shifts things in such a strange new way from just like a I just roll the same thing a thousand times and maybe I fall unconscious or maybe they fall unconscious. But nothing else changes.
0: And you know what's an interesting thing about that? Um systems that track your efficacy by your damage, like where they give you those constant like negative one penalties as you reach certain hit points. There's so much bookkeeping. but it's not here because they just reduce a die size or get rid of a die. And that's so
1: much more elegant. I really like the, um, a little more free form of the combat too, because, um, as each round was going, the entire environment was kind of changing and being affected by everybody's actions. And so, you know, I took that first round in our, our combat to, you know, heal up a little bit as things were coming at us. But then I like jumped into the combat proper and, um, you know, there was walls popping up around an entire section. And so that went from a physical combat zone to a mental combat zone. And (laughs) that was an entirely different kind of interesting than everything else that was going on. And I really liked that because, you know, um, a lot in d and d it's like okay we're in combat let's roll initiative and we're in combat um and there's a large part of that rp that kind of goes out the window because we're rolling dice and like oh yeah as like but, like patrick was saying you know you we were just trying to see if we're hitting the proper numbers and an exchange of damage and you know you can you can flare that off with you know describing your actions and stuff like that but there was something about this that it's like okay I need to Describe exactly what I'm going to be doing, so that I can create my dice pool. It, it kind of g- forces you a little bit to become creative with your actions and be like, okay, so this is exactly what I'm going to be trying to do in this round, um, so that I can build my dice pool effectively using my actions. You know. Yeah, I've got. Oh, sorry. Did you want to add to that, Patrick?
3: Yeah, I was going to say what I love about that in terms of a combat system is it's not a static, you roll this d20 and add a number, and that's what your attack is going to be for. Maybe that number will shift. Uh, As you you get better, it'll get a bigger number, and that's basically about it. But you're still going to be doing, you know, an attack. In this, it's, okay, the last time I tried stabbing him with my sword, that really didn't go off so well. I'm going to shift up how I'm going to attack to defeat this obstacle, because it's not so much knock out the guy as it's remove a threat.
0: Yeah, and it's win the apply... fight, which exactly. is not necessarily killing or, or making unconscious.
3: So maybe they're a way better fighter than I was thinking. Fighting isn't the, a- the avenue I should be taking here. I switch up the tact entirely, and I'll, I'll build a different dice pool Maybe I'll try and, you know, talk them into coming down. And it's just as effective. Like you can, you can, and maybe that's not effective and you change up your entire thing next time. And you can, maybe you go with the same thing constantly because it's working real well. But if it's not, shift your, shift what you're doing. Pick, pick different things. You have different building blocks to apply to the same sort of goal.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So two things I want to get in there real quick. Um, We created physical obstacles and so the best system to i think compare that to would be fate when you when you use an action and you create uh, a new aspect but it's always a little bit squirrely unless you're very experienced with with fate because you take an action you create this aspect and is it sticky is it a boost and so on and so forth but in this you just create the thing and your effect die is how effective it is and if somebody wants to get rid of it well then they just roll against the effect die and like that was it's just so much easier in play i felt and because it's it's dice sizes the the effectiveness of them are so it's so visual it's obvious as opposed to just an aspect where you're like i guess i need to get a two or higher and I've got a plus four, but my fudge dice are going to give me a minus three because they're fudge dice.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to talk about
0: fudge dice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, sort of jumping off of what Patrick said there of you get to choose all of the different things that you can do, like change it up in, in various uh, actions and sequences I find that occasionally in a system where you have that much freedom, there's the danger of always rolling your best dice. Yes. Did you, did you feel like, l- let me just jump back one more step and say, Burn Bright, which we played back in August, does this really, really well because if you use a whole bunch of things, it rewards you for using variety. What do you think Cortex Prime does? to encourage you to to vary it up and not just use your D10s and D12s?
3: I don't know if it's so much as a Cortex Prime, so much as it is what you can add it to, what you can add to it. Um, because when you add like values and, and attributes as what you're picking, you really have to justify what it is you're doing. And I mean, there's always going to be people out there who, you know, are going to really try and shoehorn those D10, D10, D10. Yeah,
2: Uh,
3: but like so many times, like I wasn't rolling top at all. I was rolling real medium, just across the board. Just that's what was making sense. It's really hard to justify picking those higher numbers for everything. Like it's, and that's sort of like a player-based slash. Whoever's running the game, are you? Are you sort of is that the is that the proper thing? Like, no, you can't vigor just or vigor judgment everything. Uh,
1: yeah, I think that there is a, enough of a separation between all of the stats and things. And like when we we kind of discussed the difference between um, uh, guide and teach the other day, like I, I think that there is enough of a separation between the at least in these values, for example. Um, that, you know, if I were to get into a specific situation challenge that didn't fall under one of those good dice categories, it's like, okay, there's absolutely no way that I could use one of these good dice. Yeah. Like, um, you know, if I'm trying to convince somebody of something, I'm not going to be able to use my withstand, you know, I'm trying to talk them through something. I'm not trying to, you know, you know, I, I, I can't use yeah, withstand yeah. whatsoever. So like the, There is a natural, I think, um, uh, ability to separate those out within the game. But um, like as Patrick said, I think it is going to be much up to whoever's running the game and the player base as well to, um, you know, be, you know, strict, as strict as they want to be when um, uh, letting people use certain attributes for certain things, you know. Mm hmm. So talking
0: about choosing the values and designing the game for the sort of experience that you want. I specifically, when planning this for the stormlight archive, wanted the mods that kept everything high level, uh, for action wise. Like I didn't want skills. I didn't want you rolling your swords skill because your ability with a sword in Stormlight Archive it's not really that important. It's what you have behind the sword. Like, Adolin dueling in the arena is really, really good at swords, but it's also just because he's passionate about dueling. And so, I thought that that matched Stormlight well. Just like, um, the contest system matches Stormlight really well. Like, it gives that sort of focus on the characters um when kaladin and seth are fighting that seems like a contest to me
1: absolutely
0: yeah so i think this just sort of marries with the themes of stormlight super well
3: yes yeah i'd agree with that it definitely Um, it definitely like you said uh in in a lot of things where you have like you know you're good with swords and bows and and that it's a little too like very particularly focused whereas what i loved about this was it's it's like you said the what drives you to do the thing that you do is a lot more open so you can apply that to whatever character you want you can both be focused in uh overcoming But it's what, where are you basing that off of in terms of your own personal character that you can sort of shift that narrative uh, to be just completely, like, you could have the exact same stats on two different characters and play them incredibly differently without much effort.
0: Well, and you know, the interesting thing is that's how I designed it for Stormlight, because you can actually take the mods in Cortex Prime and just rebuild D&D with this dice pool system. Because you could say these attributes are strength dex, con, whiz, int, charisma. These skills are the 5e skills list. Uh you get distinctions, which are probably basically your class, your background, and your and your species, or you know, whatever stuff you want. And then I mean <laughs> and then you could just put in the um life points hit points mod. Instead of stress and consequences, and you've made a dungeon crawler that focuses on skills.
3: Yep, but you don't have to, and that's what but I like about it. You don't
0: have to. So because there's so many th-
3: systems that you pick up, and you look at the like the very base rules of it, and you're and you can pretty much right away tell where it's going to focus, whether it be like a uh, strict, you know, absolutely battle brawler combat focused entire game, and you're going to really have to shoehorn in RP. Like it's all gonna be on the players, there's not much outside of that. Or it's all RP, and like if you're gonna try and do combat, it's gonna be again like a a really sort of stretch to the system. Whereas this seems to you like what do you wanna do? Yeah. What What is your players and you wanna what do you wanna get out of a role playing experience? Switch it to that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of freedom. And like, as you were saying, there's mods that people have created and that you can add into the game and modify it in so many different ways. And so um, there's like this base template that you can just take and create so many different games with it. You know, as we've said, in so many different worlds, like you can you can take pretty much any kind of theme you want and really throw it into the system and create a a fairly decent game. So So, we've got a good story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, what personally for you was the biggest sort of downfall or weakness of the game? What didn't you like?
3: I mean, this applies to me as a person, Uh, in terms of a lot of role-playing games that use this feature but the distinctions where you have to you have to write up something that is not too specific but not too crazy vague that you can like that it's not you can apply it to literally everything or it only applies to one specific thing that is always a downfall to me i i just struggle so hard in writing a short sentence that describes a character that you have to have multiples of i don't like it about fate it's a thing i was really tough in this but i actually i worked out pretty well uh but it's it's in every system that i've ever played it in it's the hardest part of it for me picking what you want to do in terms of stats and what you want your character to be easy peasy especially in this uh character creation was crazy easy I have it written up in a Word document where I just, you know, wrote down the num- the values and attributes and just wrote D six D eight next to them. Pretty easy. It's not too difficult. It's just picking die sizes, but writing those distinctions will get me every time.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Um, I, I'm a little less frustrated than, than Patrick is, but um, Everyone yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that whole you know vague but not too vague but specific but not too specific type thing can be uh, a bit frustrating to um figure out exactly how to get it phrased i definitely went through like um i finally ended up writing down brawler and street thief of velath for two of my distinctions but it took me like four or five different variations of that before i settled on those ones
0: (laughs) yeah um Touching on that point before I go to what I think my weakness from the system is, um, I think that that's completely valid. It's hard to write those. Um, I think that one thing that I like about this more than other systems like that, like Fate, is that the negative aspect of it, the compelling, is all on the player's side. They get to choose... When their distinctions are negative, and give them the plot point. So, like in fate, as the GM, it's mostly on my shoulders to compel an aspect and say, "But hang on, this negative thing should happen," and I'll offer you a plot, uh, a fate point, and then you buy off the fate point, and and so on. But here, if the players want an additional plot point, they can say this distinction is going to hinder me in this aspect, and so. I think that's one thing that is uh, that I love a lot more like your brawler. It seems like it's definitely, you know, positive all the time. If you're going to punch, you're going to get a a benefit from it, but you can say in a social aspect, uh, you know what? I'm going to, because I'm a brawler, I'm going to be short tempered and I'm going to hinder my aspect just because I need this fate point. Plot point. (laughs) Plot point. PP. PP.
3: I like that because uh, plot points are very useful, and I definitely yeah. starting with just one felt like I need more of these. Yeah, They're, they seem very useful. Uh, so I like the ability to just, as a player, go. You know what? On this particular attack, I might not do as well. I might still succeed, depending on the difficulty that I'm attempting to get. But at the very least, I can hinder myself and and get get and some you're
0: resources guaranteed on. a plot point.
3: Yeah, and and. Maybe you succeed, maybe you don't, depending on there. But you can choose that right out the get-go without having to like really like, you know, when in particularly, I think it comes to fate when you're like trying to work the GM into giving you. Yeah, yeah. Are are you sure? Like, maybe remember how I'm this.
1: Well (laughs) yeah, I like that because stuff. (laughs) I like it because it's yeah, it is in your control, and um, (laughs) the fact that you can. You know, the the resources is something that you can just, okay, like, I'm I'm just about out of plot points. I'm going to, I can still perform an action, but I'm going to be getting my resources back at the same time. I found that, that in some systems, it's just like, okay, I've just got this entire lull in my activity because I've got to sit here and recharge or heal myself or whatever. Yeah, good point whereas this is just okay I can keep the combat flowing uh I might not be as effective but I still get to do something which is 100% which is more interesting than not doing something yes <laughs> always so in
3: every system where you 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 need a resource pool and it's it's very difficult to get those there's that uh that mental weight as a player where you feel useless, you feel like you're not doing anything, if you're going to take the whatever action it is to get a resource, you just want to always be doing something to help everyone else out. It's like a uh, a fear of missing out, you know? Yeah. You, you I don't want to stop. I, I, I have to keep doing the things, even if it means I don't get the cool thing that would be more beneficial. Uh, it feels like I would be uh, not doing, I would not be uh, meeting what everyone's expectations are of me. Uh, whereas this again, yeah, you can you can you can try something and and still and still get your your sweet cool resource back
0: and because you're rolling a d four there's even a twenty five percent chance that you' get a second one
3: If you roll a hitch, do you get a plot point
0: uh yeah, the g m offers you a plot point and then you get a consequence,
3: oh okay, so there you go Whenever
0: you roll a one um okay, so my trouble with the system is that the core book although gorgeous just beautiful like if you see this pdf the art is amazing the graphic design is amazing it's just pleasant to look at it is hard to absorb all of the information because the rules are spread over probably the first 100 pages because all of the mods come immediately after the rule so it's like okay this is how you roll now here are six mods to change how you could roll now let's talk about assets and complications here's eight more asset and complication mods
3: Ooh, i don't like that
1: yeah i feel like that should be something they uh adjust
0: <laughs> yeah so it's that is that was hard to like i had to go through the core book a couple of times, I had to make a separate document saying these are the rules that I am using, so that I could go back and reference it. And the best way I found to learn it was actually just to run Tales of Zadia, where they'd already written a game.
3: I d- I dislike a a role playing game source book that is tough to read. It is the huge a huge downfall of several what seem like incredible systems where it's just like, I can't find the thing I'm looking for because you've organized it poorly in a book. It should be next to this other thing, but for some reason you've thrown it 70 pages back. So now I got to go to that to find, Oh, there's (laughs) the one rule. Now I can keep going.
0: And you know, the way that they've done it is very organized and it, is easy to find something if you know what you're looking for. Like if I wanna if I want to find um what um if there's if there's no effect die in a roll, what is it? Is it a D4 or a D6? That's easy to find. But learning the system is very hard just because the mods are so close to the to the core rules.
3: See and that's the that's the problem. That's the shift is like, is it your first time going through a book? Or is it your 12th time going through a book? Yeah. Because when is your like, I always base that off of, is it your first time reading this system? Am I showing a person who's never played a, a role-playing game this book for the first time? Can yeah. they, with minimal input, input from me, build a character? That's my usual go-to as to whether or not I like a source book. And if they can look through it and go, oh yeah, so this is the next step, and then I have these, and these are the numbers I have to use, and I pick this, and that's great, and I flip to the next page. But
0: you if know, it's- I think I think that that just figured it out for me, what you said right there, because the Cortex Prime book is not made for players. Yes. It is made for game masters. There are not character creation rules in this book. There is a section that says, "Here is how you make character creation rules." So Which like is tough. It it is tough. And so once I'd sort of like wrapped my head around that without articulating it. I could put character creation rules into my separate document and then you two both said character creation was so easy. Yeah. So, I mean, that is that is the thing. This is not this is not a player's handbook. This is <laughs> a generic systems
1: dungeon master's guide. Exactly. Yeah, so I think that our ease of access was because you put in the work to yeah. put make that separate document that had it all kind of compiled for our specific game. Yeah. So incredible
0: power in this game barrier to entry because of the learning curve, but so much fun
3: to play. It's very fun to play. I enjoyed it a great deal.
1: Yeah. And once the work is in, like it's, it is very simple to run the game and, and everything. So it, it, most of that, uh, Difficulties at the front end in the preparation, and then it just seems like it, we were able to just kind of jump in and, whoa there we go. We just make dice pools and roll and go. Yeah.
0: Done. I'll be curious when they start putting out um, more of their licensed stuff. Stuff because they're they're bringing the Tales of Zadia game based on the Dragon Prince, and they've got uh, uh, He-Man. They've got Masters of the Universe. Patrick's very excited. Yeah, yeah. So that is coming. They've got that licensed. Um, I'll I'll be very curious if those come as standalone books or books that reference Cortex Prime. Because if you give me a Tales of Zadia book that is a complete RPG on its own, oh, that's beautiful. Like, that's great. And then the Cortex Prime core book is something for those who want to tinker.
3: So when it comes to, uh, I've just run into this in a game that I'm running for for my buddies uh, with Savage Worlds, because Savage Worlds is very open and you can apply many different settings and things to it, which is fantastic. But we're running Deadlands Reloaded and the Deadlands Reloaded book is like, here's the setting specific stuff. Everything else is in the Savage Worlds book. So yeah. now you need to go between two books to build a character. It doesn't have all the everything. I detest that. If you're yeah, going to have a specific setting for something, have the basic rules for how to do it in that book. There's no reason not to have it doubled, you know, because yeah, yeah. The, the core book can be for tinkering and like doing whatever you want with it, you know, as like a base resource, if you don't want to use those other settings. Uh, But if you're going to use those other settings, it'd be nice to have how to do it.
0: Yeah. I think that there's, I think that there's an argument on both sides because from a publishing point of view, if you're like, you want to play savage worlds, savage worlds is your game. Now here's six source books where you can play it in specific settings. I think that that makes sense. But yeah, if you're playing Deadlands and you're never going to touch any other savage worlds, the arguments on the other side.
3: Yeah. I mean like that's, yeah, you, I agree. I see the I see the shift in in why you'd want to have sort of specifics. I just don't like ever having to use two books to build a character. That's uh, and and again, I always go back to because every single person that I was running that game for had never even looked at Savage Worlds. So I went, here's two PDFs. You have to use both of them. And they went, so how do I find what I have for this? I was like, so that's in this book. The augmented rules are in this book. And they were like, oh, okay. Yay. It was a lot more difficult. It was a lot more of a slog for for people who, I mean, let's face it, people with lives, they don't have time to, they're not me. They can't just focus on <laughs> only building characters nonstop. So it's tough. This was fun, though.
0: Yeah. So uh, before we wrap it up, anything else that you want to say about Cortex Prime or how it was able to model stormlight or anything about the game without spoilers.
1: Well, I mean, just in terms of how it was able to model stormlight, like I felt that we were able to uh, Mm -hmm. kind of perform everything that we kind of know about in the books um, pretty accurately. Uh, I think the system, because the um, kind of the contests are very role play oriented um the whole mechanics of things is fairly easy to work out because you know we we know how the magic system well we know much about many of the parts of how the magic system works um, not everything yet but uh for our characters at least we knew enough to be able to manipulate some things into how we wanted to in terms of role play and then it's based on you know what we decide in our attributes and everything for how that how effective it is um and so yeah i think that it, it works fairly well too because it is uh it's more about our own knowledge about how the thing works than the mechanics in the game for how it works
0: yeah it made it easy for me that i didn't have to try and model everything as a feat or a spell or an ability although that, yeah I didn't go too deep into SFX, which are one of the ways to really get some mileage out of uh, Cortex Prime, because then you can add a lot of special abilities under things.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think I I did run across that rule. And I think that if we were to flesh this out a bit more, then I would say that it'd be interesting to add some other actual special effects to the uh, search binding um, to make it even more accurate and/or yeah. uh, adjust it, it more mechanically interesting in game.
0: Yeah, like spend a plot point to step down a physical consequence by two steps or something like that is holding stormlight.
3: Yeah, I mean it's great because it has the ability to, if you need to, you know, really sharpen the blade into sort of a more focused thing that you're looking for, you can do that, you can you can tag on whatever you need. But as far as modeling stormlight, it felt very easy to 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 slip into the world with just some basic sort of vague descriptions and and what do you want to do with your thing? You you have a die that you add to it. Do you succeed? You do. Uh you do the thing. You don't have to, you know, specifically I activate this, you know, to do a gravitation surge yeah all right well i mean
0: i really liked cortex prime i have now run it on four different sessions and uh i gotta say i'm really excited to pick up the tales of zadia game and i want a physical copy of the cortex prime right now i just have the pdf
1: i'm looking forward to running this again i would love to play more Stormlight at Cribs with this system
3: I mean, I'm definitely down for that. I am also now thinking about how I'm going to run a Malazan game in this.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
3: this is thus far the most easy to use and uh, variable for a, for a world that is chaotic, like that setting, uh, that, that I found in terms of uh, RPG games.
0: Yeah. I'd like to see this game push to its limits to see where where it needs shoring up. The way that we've run games like D&D and Cypher and we've played them and played them and played them and Fate and we're like, okay, if you want to play this game, you shouldn't use D20 rules. You should use Fate rules. Like, I'd like to learn that about Cortex Prime.
3: It definitely is is one of those things that uh, repetitive uh, not just repetitive games but one game over a long period of time really sort of shows the cracks uh, in a system of like, well, we've gone over, you know, all these countless scenarios. And every time this always shows up as a fault whenever we enter this, like, you know, social scenario or whatever, or yeah. whenever we're trying to do this particular thing, something always comes up as a as a little bump in the road that we got to get over. Definitely shows up in long games. Well, anyways. Thank you so much, uh,
0: Alex. Patrick, thank you so much for playing the game. Thank you so much for coming back and reviewing the game. Thank you. And thank you, fandom, for sending us the Cortex Prime RPG for review. Our players today included Laurier Rochon playing Capo Ono Kalelukua, also known as Kapo. Sierra Wilson playing Mina. Alex Model playing Nimiav, Jen Moyer playing Kita, and in the second half, unfortunately, Laurier couldn't make it back for the game, but our friend Patrick McGeehan came in as Venilar. You wake up in a creme-stained cellar behind metal bars.
2: No! Rude. The only light
0: The only light comes from a single oil lantern. You share the space with a few other groggy looking captives, and the last thing you remember was visiting a wine house called Blood of the Vine in Kolinar's Little Herdaz district. There are three cells in the room, and no apparent door in the stone walls. So I'll move you over to the map. Oh. Oh. Who would like to go first and describe their character? And how you wake up in this cold, gross cell. will go
4: first. Can you guys hear me?
2: Yep. Yes. Oh,
4: okay. Uh, so my name is Kapaono Kalelukua. And I am a horn eater from the village of Matuatai. sick lowlanders call me Capo.
2: <laughs>
4: Love it. And uh, I like to imbibe in the horn eater white. I feel like I may have imbibed a little too much. I wake up with a pounding headache.
0: (laughs) And uh, you are sharing your cell with Sierra, your character.
5: I am Mina Gajivellad. I am a... uh... I'm a light-eyed musician wearing a very elaborate concert dress. And I'm completely baffled as to why I am in this very small cell with this very large horn eater.
4: Nice. Fancy dress for dank cell.
0: (laughs) Uh, In the other cell, who wants to go first?
1: i can go ahead um so <clears throat> Nimiev or nimi as she likes to go by uh wakes up uh she's fairly scruffy looking but um she has a very elaborate glove over her safe hand um fairly accurate to the picture short brown hair um bright violet eyes
5: Does Violet, are Violet eyes light eyes?
1: Yes, they okay. are. Okay.
5: And sorry, is Nimi like young or just small?
1: Uh, just small. She's, uh, yeah, she doesn't look super young, but she's short. Got <laughs> it. And there was talk that uh,
0: Nimi and Jen's character might know each other. Did we want to establish that or do we want to just be four strangers in a dungeon?
1: We could do that.
5: Yeah. Like I'm happy to know Nimi, but I don't want to have to like make Alex, you give up any of your like secrets. If you don't want to, to figure out how we know each other.
1: Uh, we're both from Jakovet, so I mean, I imagine that we could be, um, and I'm an urchin, so you know, you could have met me on the street at some point, and we could have had a small interaction or friendship of being out on the street and me being silly.
5: <laughs> Is that where I'm from?
1: Yes, Jakovet.
5: So, uh, but we're in Kolinar, right?
2: We
1: are.
5: So maybe we uh, we were in the same caravan here. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I am Jen, and I am playing Kitta. Kitta is a tall Yakovetian. That's the word.
0: Vaden. <laughs>
5: <laughs> a tall Vaden. Um, she's got kind of olive skin and curly long brown hair and brown eyes. Um, and there's nothing really fancy. It's all very practical. Her movements are practical. She's dressed practical and, um, she wakes up very practically.
0: (laughs) How does waking up practically look like folded hands?
5: Yeah. She was sleeping as if she were like in a coffin and then she'll like sit up very straight. And like, first thing she'll like, like, brush off the dirt and, like, arrange her hair to be not mussy.
4: Wipe
0: some dried creme. Exactly. Seems fair.
1: Um, Sorry, I never got to describe how I wake up. Um, Yeah, go ahead. uh, Nimi kind of shakes her head, jumps up really quickly, looks around, kind of pats her pockets, tries to find something, notices that nothing's there, and then kind of looks grumpy and Slumps up against the bars in front of her.
0: (laughs) Now, the interesting thing is that all of you have spren. Has anybody given any thought to what their spren is like? A little bit.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Alex is like, so much.
0: Okay. And so you can go ahead and roleplay yourself and your spren, since I don't know what anybody's spren are like. Um, But they are also here, and sapient, and speaking, and I believe all of them are visible. None of them are like Windspren who can disappear.
4: Aren't the spren only visible to those they choose to be visible to, save for Horn Eaters?
0: No, some Spren are visible at all times. For instance, the Ink Spren seem like they're invisible but they actually just shrink super super small oh. and uh, cryptics like pattern uh, are always visible it's just that they can blend in so well because they just seem like a ripple
4: that makes sense yeah uh, what do peak look like in the real world as in not in shades marks I know they're giant like rock people like the thing
0: yeah, so in, in uh in the material realm, peakspren are tiny little rock people who pop out of rocks. Oh, that's fun.
5: That's adorable.
0: Yeah, they look like little clay movable like dolls almost. And they they like um
4: like little homunculi.
0: Yeah. Uh in the physical realm realm peak spren can disappear into stone to stay hidden to reappear they break out of uh, the stone uh, even something as small as a pebble Hmm.
4: Uh, Capo is going to have a pebble in his pocket and that's where his spren um, whose name is going to be pebble I just decided Um, yeah Uh, he's going to live in a pebble in my pocket
0: Seems appropriate. Okay. And as the four of you and potentially your spren look around this room, as I said, there's no apparent uh, exit. Um, The rooms have been swept clean. The bars are metal with locking devices on them for a big heavy key.
4: And you said we can't surge bind yet. Uh, You have no spheres. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you need Stormlight to surgebind. Yeah. Bind. I have uh,
0: preemptively shut down everybody's power of Surge Binding so you all gain one additional plot point.
4: Yay, extra PP.
0: <laughs> now, does anybody else want to describe their spren?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, Nimmi's spren is a small growth of vines that seems to be curled around her arm at the moment. Um, there's a little head that's popped up over her shoulder just kind of watching what she's doing at the moment.
5: Adorable. Uh, yeah, I can go for uh, Kita. Kita's friend looks just like a you know like when light hits through a prism and you get those like little rainbow sparkles on your wall. That is what year looks like. Can you spell that? Y-H-R here love it and here is not on gita he is just kind of flitting around one wall being a sparkle
0: sierra is your pattern hidden
5: yes and they also don't have a name yet
0: (laughs) that's okay um And I'm not. Gonna, yeah, whatever you want. I'm working um, on it.
2: <laughs> no rush.
0: to
5: name them?
4: No spoilers, Merrick. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, it would be so
5: hard to avoid spoilers while googling.
4: Yes, <laughs> that's true. Be oh, cautious. I just went
5: to there's like a Stormlight Archives names generator. Most spoilers, Ooh. just buttons.
4: <laughs> is that the tagline? Because if it's not, it should be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you're in this room. What do you four do or say to each other?
4: Well, oh, airsick lowlanders, loud headache. Give minute.
5: What in the bloody hell happened?
1: I'm not sure entirely sure, Kita. We were drinking at that bar. That's the last thing that I can remember.
4: I remember fourth glass of white.
5: Kita says nothing.
4: I don't remember sixth glass of white.
5: To fiddle with the mechanisms of the door, checking out the bars, taking in the surroundings and seeing if she can figure a way to open the door.
0: Okay, so if you would like to attempt to open the door, I would say that with no tools, uh, it is very difficult, and I'm going to put it at 2D12.
5: Meokie dokie. I was hoping to, like, uh, Captain Jack, oh no, will turner it and, like, look at the hinges and be like, man, if I just use this kind of lever, boop.
0: Hmm, okay. Okay, um, so do you want to spend a plot point and look around for something that could be used as a lever.
5: No, I first just want to examine the door and see how it could be opened or what its mechanisms are.
0: Okay. So then just examining the door and looking at that will be a difficulty of 2d6. And this will be basically creating an asset of, I understand the door. Uh, the difficulty is an 8.
5: I'm having to shake all my dice out of my dice bag because I'm waiting between Merrick's mics on so that I can do that. All right. So looking at me, I don't think I have a distinction necessarily unless bonded. Well, I could use bonded to a missed spren and say that year, like glides over to kind of check it out with me does that count
0: yeah and you always pick a distinction an attribute and a value so um your missed friend could look at it or because you are a trader um maybe you have sold metal doors before
5: mm, i definitely haven't but you're <laughs> you're year, gonna be with me checking it out And then I will use my reason and my understanding. Perfect. And sorry, what am I trying to beat again? An eight. Oh, baby. I got an 11 and my... What is it called again? I never remember. Effect die. My effect dice is a D8.
0: Okay, so you create a D8 asset of... Uh, understand the leverage of this door.
5: And what do I understand that it needs?
0: Um, We're going to go straight Will Turner. You need a lever.
5: Um, so I'll say uh, Nimi this needs some sort of long lever to lift the door and get it off of the hinges and we will be free. Same for you over there, I'm guessing.
2: Thank you.
0: These are half-pin barrel
2: hinges.
4: (laughs) I feel like I could just pick up the door.
0: Feet of main strength, perhaps? Yeah.
5: You may as well try. Put that strength to use.
4: I have a D twelve for vigor, so you know. All right. Well,
0: uh, would you like to attempt to lift the door off the hinges? I would. Okay. So go ahead. Uh, you have your D twelve of vigor in your attribute. What value and distinction will be using? Will you be using?
4: Uh, horn eater, fourth sun warrior. Nice. That's a D eight. D8s are distinctions, right? Yes. Uh, What's a D8 look like again? I have a lot of dice here. There we go. (laughs) Uh, And then for my value, I'm going to use Overcome is a pretty good one. Overcome. Yeah, there we go. I did not see that one. That's perfect. I'm gonna use this one for overcome. No, it's a D10. Where's my D eight? <laughs> so
0: All
4: you're right. rolling a D12 and two D eight. Hang on,
0: I have to roll the difficulty first. Okay. Oh, we lost We lost. Sierra. Oh. It's okay, I still hear. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can see you in the background still.
5: <laughs> I uh it just it booted me for a second, and I don't know why.
0: Oh, that's annoying. Okay, so by main strength, I am going to say that this is pretty difficult. We're going to put it at the 2d12 as well, but I'm also going to throw in a d6 just for uh, the like uh, grogginess and kind of under-the-weather feeling you've got. Yeah, that's fair. So I rolled 9, 5, 2. So we're going to have uh, the 9 and the 5 together. The difficulty is a 14 with a d6 effect die.
4: Okay. Um, I am going to spend a PP. And I would like to add a protect die. And I would like to add that die because I want to protect us from uh, what may happen in this dingy jail. I don't think being in here for very long is going to be good for our health.
0: I think that's a great justification for it. Wonderful.
4: Wunderbar! So, you need to beat a a 14. Perfect. And so, I just have to pick one as my effect die, right?
0: Yeah. So, what you do is you add two of your dice together. Okay. And you need to get a 15.
4: I got 8s on my D8s. I got a 1 on the D12. Wow! Um, but uh, yeah, 16, and then uh, my effect die will be the D12.
0: Yeah, okay. So in this case, the effect die doesn't come into play because you've just succeeded. There's no, okay, no need to worry about that, but real great. The D12, I mean, you just do it so smoothly. You lift this door off of its hinges and Flip it down.
4: Quiet. <clears throat> oh, nice and quiet. Okay. Quiet. Yeah. All right. You lay it down against the wall. No, nice and minute. gentle. Yeah, we, we don't want to set any guards off. You know.
0: Okay.
5: Wow, well, that worked. Um, and I will, I will try and find something I can use as a lever for the other door. Okay. okay to let out these other people.
0: So now that you're out here, there is a, um, there is the single lantern. And so you could spend a plot point to pull like a piece of metal off of the lantern and say, I will use this as a lever or it's a small enough thing. I will use it to pick the lock. Or if you don't want to spend your plot point, you can uh, make a roll and say, I'm going to pull something off of This and so on, to create the asset that allows you to get the other one.
5: Yeah, I will roll to create a lockpick from something. Awesome! Uh, Using my uh, excellent education as a high-ranking light-eyes. high-ranking
0: light-eyes who knows how to make a lockpick?
5: I learned all sorts of things.
4: (laughs) She had assorted youth. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Uh, and using my reason to be like, well, obviously this is what would work best and my creation because I'm creating things.
0: Beautiful. Love it. Oh, I need to roll a difficulty first. (laughs) Okay, so I'd say creating it from that it's a little bit hard, like you're going to need to bend and pull without warping it too much. Um, it's not strong metal, though, uh, so I'm going to put it at 2d8. Ooh, the difficulty is a 12.
5: Uh, I make it with the the d12 and the d10, looks like. Which leaves a uh, d8 as you the...
0: You unfortunately nope. have to exceed it. So you've got a 5 and a 7, which gets you to a 12, a 13.
5: Must exceed, not meet. Okay.
0: Yeah. So what you can do is you could spend a plot point to add in the 2 die, and then you'll succeed with the 14. But then you'll only create a D4 lockpick, which is actually, like, kind of detrimental to you. Um. Or you could just say, this isn't working, I can't make the lock pick, I'm gonna tear it off and make the lever and just spend the plot point.
5: Yeah. Lockpick not gonna work. But maybe, maybe lever.
0: Yeah, too small, too and we'll fiddly. Alright, so you spend the plot point and this gives you a free D6 asset for this scene. And did you want to use it or did you want to pull it off and hand it to the big horn eater?
5: I think I should give it to the big guy.
4: Capo lift big thing Capo take care of little little one. Where is where is lever? in your hand Oh okay Capo not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've got um, a length of
0: iron that's been pulled off of this torch. Okay, and so um Ooh So there's there's two ways that you could do this. You could hand it to the big strong horn eater, or you could hand it through the bars to the uh, smart merchant who already also has a D eight. And then Jen could roll a D eight and a D six and her three dice.
5: Yeah, huh. but you seem to know what you're doing with this door. Here.
4: I catch door. Make quiet. So,
0: Jen, you've got a d8 understand the leverage, a d6 lever, and then your three dice from whatever you want to do to uh, get this done.
5: Nibby, did you want to lend some muscle?
0: Anytime. And so, helping. Oof. My brain is blanking. How do we help again? Broke Merrick.
4: Oh, I just read this today. I mean, oh, okay. by reading, I mean listen.
5: It's a test.
0: It's the, it's the same as we just did. Basically, creating the lever was a test. So you can choose to either spend a plot point to add a d6, or make your own test first
1: to add a new asset. Okay, so I can just well, I'll make I'll I'll do a test to try and make an asset of. Nimmy's strength. <laughs> so I will use my distinction as a fist fighter, my vigor, because I'm trying to be drunk, nice. and uh, I will try and overcome with a d8 as well.
0: Perfect. Okay, so then the difficulty to help is just going to be 2 d D6. So you've got to beat, ooh, I rolled well, a nine.
1: Well, I got a seven and a four, so that's 11. Okay. And And then a d8 of effect. All
0: right. So then, Jen, you get another d8 from Nimi's help.
5: You said effect. I heard a fucked. I was like, I don't think that's what it is. (laughs) That's the opposite of what happened.
0: I would also like to just point out to everybody that Alex's name, Nimiav, very, very Stormlight. It's almost symmetrical.
5: Oh!
1: It's like I planned it or something. (laughs) Just wanted to recognize.
5: Alex, it's like you're a giant fan.
1: It's like I've
0: read all of the books several times. Crazy. Jen, back to you. Uh, It is 2D12 difficulty to uh, knock this off but you've got your three dice plus a d8 for understand the leverage a d6 for the lever and a d8 for nimi nimi helping oh i rolled real well it's a 20
4: oh stop doing that
5: a 20 that's fine oh it might not be fine oh okay it's fine. It's fine. it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine um is there this that nah, no i'm not gonna i take that back okay um <laughs> I'm going to use my trader rural from rural Yachaved. I'm very used to working in teams together to get an acamp- an, a and a task accomplished. I've raised many a barn. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm going to use um again. I'm going to use my reason. Like this isn't so much of a vigor. It's not about brute strength. It's about correctly applying force. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I'm going to use my Overcome to overcome this obstacle. Love it. Oh, that's so bad. Is it me to be a 20? Yeah. I cannot... Ooh...
4: Apple pickup door again. I
5: was gonna say I, I could if I use both my power, my plot points, but it doesn't seem worth it. So instead, I am gonna fail, flaw, uh, with a d eight d ten effect die. Eh? But that was also a one.
0: Oh, there was in fact a. Uh...
5: There was in fact a one.
0: Okay, so um, the lever is still here and you still do understand the leverage but you do have a hitch so i am going to give you a plot point
5: thank you ooh, ooh
0: and you're going to get a complication so your complication is um strained back at a d6
5: no that's too real that's too close to home I do not like that <laughs>
0: And unfortunately, the hitch bumps it up to a d8.
2: Oh. Oh.
1: So rude. rude. Rough.
5: Not in a good way. Hello!
4: (laughs) (laughs) The
0: merchant like super proper says finger guns. (laughs)
5: so sorry that was uh, so is my complication just back d8
0: strained back d8 yeah so anytime you're making a roll and your strained back might hurt I will add it into the difficulty and then you get rid of it by doing some medicine or taking time to relax etc
5: or like healing myself because that's legit my power yep Strained backs always hurt. <laughs> or oh. is this is this like one of those things where you can't heal yourself only other people?
0: You know, I don't know that they've ever talked about it. I don't
4: think that oh I think regrowth works on yourself.
0: It's never been needed because if you're holding stormlight, you just heal.
4: You'd, oh yeah, there you go. So
0: they don't actually yeah. So if you find stormlight, you'll start to heal. <laughs> So, um, you've still got two people stuck in, but you've got two people out. What's the next plan?
5: So I just want to say, um, so Tita with um, Nimmi's help strains really hard, but can't get it. And then feels like a pop in her back and then lets out a string of farmer's curses. Um, Laurie or Alex, I'm looking at you to give me some curses from the
0: book.
4: Uh, they don't really curse, do they? Yeah, storming, storming.
0: Yeah, storming. Harold's uh, cursed son of a hog.
2: That was pretty good.
4: Pretty much, it's like Quebec, mostly religious curses. Yeah, that's true. All
0: right,
1: damnation. I right hear a lot.
4: Yeah, oh, damnation. damnation. Yep, that's go. a good one. Yeah, uh, collects breath. That's a good one. Yep. Or just collect. Yeah, yeah, collect. Take the name of a god Never. in vain. Um, okay, so
0: then, uh, what do you do, uh, Horn Eater? Try to lift it again. Capo, pick up
4: heavy thing and put back down.
0: Yeah, do that.
4: Okay, what is difficulty for big door? Difficulty for big door is the
0: two d twelve, but I'm not going to throw the d six in again because it's not a straight complication to you.
4: You're a good man, Lelander. Oh, but I got a twenty-one. I rolled real no high.
5: You're not no, you good, Lowlander.
4: Roll again. Roll again. Air sick, Lowlander. No, get the good, good die roll. I don't think I can beat that. Uh,
0: so you can figure out the dice. Like, how many plot points do you have right now? One. Okay, and then you're rolling d D twelve and two D eights. Yes. Okay, so. If you spend a plot point, like, you can roll, and you can spend a plot point and add all three together, and there is a chance that you can beat a 21. That was pretty
4: hard. choose to spend the plot point after I roll, or do I have to say whether I do before? You can choose after you roll. Oh, okay. That's not too bad.
5: Any of us spend a plot point to help somehow?
0: Yes. uh, People can spend a plot point to add a d6 um, asset. Or make a roll like uh, Alex did to help out.
5: I'll do that. I will try to make the asset um, backseat driver. Give him um, back the lever.
4: Switch out my my value from um, overcome to protect. I think because uh, they've made a lot of noise trying to lever this out of here and hurting herself, and I'm sure she screamed or, or gave a gasp. Um, So I'm worried that the the guards are going to come. So I'm going to use protect instead of um, of overcome.
0: Okay, but don't roll
4: yet, because we're going to
0: do Jen's helping first. So, Jen, you're going to backseat driver it, and you're going to get your D8 of understand the leverage in this.
5: Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm going to just, like, direct from the sidelines. No, don't lift there. Move your hands. 90, no. The other No. Like five... (laughs) Oh, God.
0: And your hurt back isn't going to add to the difficulty of that. The difficulty for that is just a 2d6. You're not actually straining your back in any way. You're just... Supervising.
5: See? So again, I'm going to use my Twitter from Rural Yakovad. I'm going to use my reason. I'm going to use my understand. Oh, no. I'm going to take out my understanding dice, which is better, Mm -hmm. and use my teach dice, which is worse, because I'm trying to direct...
4: I like it. And, but uh, because you're using, six. you're using teach, you could re roll if you need to. But if that would cost a plot a point. point yeah. yeah.
5: No, I'm not the teacher. Oh, you're what? not? Oh. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm a truth watcher.
0: Yeah. I'm the oh. teacher. Jen, you have heal or teach?
5: No, I have uh, illumination and heal. Right. Oh, I do up there.
4: Yeah, under your bonded twist brand.
5: Oh, we're both teachers then. Yeah, I don't know why. Teaching's not in my, like, repertoire.
0: It's because you both share illumination, and illumination is tied to teaching.
5: Oh. Makes sense. So, so, so good. I said I'd be a six. Yep. You thought I'd win dice. I got a 14 with a D8 effect dice.
0: Wow, okay. So then you can step up your D8 effect die because you got a heroic success. So your teach is a D10 asset for Laurier.
1: Yeah.
5: Teaching real
1: good. definitely looking possible now.
4: All right. Okay, so does that mean I just get a D10 to roll too?
1: That's That's a a D12, D12,
0: but yes, you do get a D10.
4: (laughs) This one right here. I can roll this one, right? How about this one? Can I roll this (laughs) (laughs) way? That has a ten on it.
2: Uh,
4: There we go. I'm going to roll the gold one for you.
0: Noise. Okay.
5: Twenty-two.
4: Uh,
0: twenty-one. So you've got to get a twenty-two. Yeah.
3: Yeah, twenty-two or higher. Yeah.
4: Not even close. Oh, no.
5: Any ones?
4: Uh, yeah, I got a one. Okay. Uh, I rolled one, a six, a ten, and a two. So, 16 yeah, with
0: 16. a d8. Yeah, like you could get an 18. Not quite enough. No. Um, so, you get a hitch. So I'm going to give you a plot point. And I'm going to say uh. Uh, D six sprained wrist.
4: Oh, where do I put that on my character sheet? Just anywhere at all? I guess I'm just doing this
5: Clearly, the second door is just heavier.
4: Yeah, there's something like, wrong with
0: that door. <laughs> you look at the hinges and you're like, oh no, these are rusted.
4: This door rusted. Very tough.
5: So, can we see in the other room? Is it just blank?
0: Uh, yeah. So basically, there's. The map for here has a bunch of stuff in these rooms, and so I've just created a fake floor to cover those up to show that there's nothing in here. So um, it looks like you just can't get through this door. You can't lever it up. You can't lift it up. You're probably going to have to find a key or some sort of tools to get out of here. Or Stormlight.
4: Or Stormlight. Apo turn bars to Spaghetti. So I guess spaghetti? you got a- I don't know.
5: <laughs> no, they don't have wheat. Well, I guess they could have non-wheat spaghetti.
0: Yeah, they've got grains from Lavis. Yeah, I guess
4: you could make noodles out of Lavis grain. You know, I bet Herdaisians have, have noodles. Oh, Herdasians would for sure have spaghetti. They'd yeah. probably serve it like in some kind of bun on the side of the road, but... Yeah, chowda! <laughs> <laughs> they don't That's
0: have
5: delicious. what I have to trade, though, so...
4: Yeah. Okay. So
0: I guess you're going to have to look around for a, for a door um, in here and maybe find some tools to get these other two out.
4: Tiny one. We go find
0: stuff. Break these two out.
5: Yes. Maybe there'll be a key.
0: So this one doesn't require any sort of search uh, role as you're sort of like checking the walls you do eventually find an area that's sort of worn down a little bit more. And by pressing on that, there's a hinge um, cleverly hidden within the stone um, that has a very sharp edge. It looks as if this was definitely cut through with a shard blade. And you can push this hidden stone door on its hinges, revealing a short hallway. That is short. Yeah, just like 10 feet to another uh, clearly secret door.
5: Maybe you should go first.
4: I go first. We'd we'll be guarded.
0: Okay. And so uh, you press on that stone as well?
4: Yep. Uh, start... Pushing things. Nice and quietly? As gently as possible. Well, as gently as a horn-eater can. <laughs> which is not very gently.
5: I mean, Rock was pretty stealthy when they were sneaking around the caravans.
4: That's true.
0: You open up this stone hidden door uh, behind a workbench. And it opens up into what appears to be a storage basement. There's a whole bunch of, um, like, gourd barrels and soul-cast wooden crates and uh, various, like, nets full of things and um, gear. And you, it looks like you're in the bottom of a like a wagoneer's or a merchant's equipage shop.
1: Hmm. I call out to them and say, if you find something thin and metal, I should be able to pick the lock.
5: That I can probably do. I just start look around, checking the, even, yeah. the work ventures. Might even
0: be
4: some lock picks in here.
0: Oh yeah, you look around and there's a a lot of stuff to pick from. But to make it story significant, you have to either make a successful search roll or you need to spend a plot point.
5: I will search. I will specifically try and search for lockpicks, but I will accept anything else long and pointy.
0: Okay. (laughs) And um, you can see that all of the uh, lanterns in here appear to be sphere lanterns, but... All of the spheres have been removed.
4: Ah, oh, I thought you were just going to say they were done. Nope. Who takes the lantern. The spheres out of their lantern.
0: <laughs> oh, I've got to. Um, I've got
4: to uh,
0: roll the difficulty for you to find lockpick-like devices. Uh, I chose two d six, and it was an eight.
5: Okay, I'm using my education, which presumably would include some. Minor like crafting of things and my reason and my create. Okay. Nimi said exactly what she needed, so I will look for that.
0: I would say that instead of create, you're probably looking for prepare because you're not making them, you're trying yeah, to find sense. something useful. Yeah. Also, Brandon Sanderson, what is the difference between teach and guide?
5: Guide would be like bringing someone through the wilderness, wouldn't it?
0: Could be, but these are like yeah. the the ten heraldic um, virtues,
4: and it's like, oh, that's where you got those. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's would what I did. Would guide about.
5: be like religious then?
1: Yeah, I find yeah. Teach, I would think that Teach would be more of an intellectual, like, art, uh, you know, teaching from books and stuff like that. Whereas Guide would be more of a, like, counseling and um, understanding their emotions, empathizing and things like that. I think you nailed it. Yeah, that makes sense.
5: So, I definitely beat the eight And that's that'll be a D twelve effect.
0: Nice, yeah. So you get an eleven, and you can use your D twelve die for a D twelve. And so a D twelve means as you're looking through, you actually find like a fine set of beautiful lockpicks. Like these are professional quality. Like they're probably hidden somewhere, and you open them up, and they're all silvery and nice. Wow!
4: Wow! Fancy pants. I'm
0: going to take
5: these to Nimi.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we're going to come back to the search. We're going to go and we're going to unlock the other characters. Yeah, let's get them out of there. Yay. So um, you've created the asset and we know that you're not going to use it. You're creating it for Nimi. Um, And so you go back, hand them over. Nimi, you got D12
1: lockpicks for this scene.
4: This better get that darn door open.
0: I believe
1: in you, Nimi. <laughs> so, as Mina comes back in the room, Nimi's just like, <laughs> Give me, give me, give me. Um, give it.
0: And uh, this door is not a terribly difficult, uh, like lock to pick. So, I'm gonna say that it's 2d8, but the lock is not very well maintained. Um, so I'm gonna throw an extra d6 in for just, like, rust and, and, and gross.
4: Okay. Krem in the lock.
0: Krem in the lock, exactly. So the difficulty you have to beat is a 9 with
1: a d6 effect die. Okay, so I'm gonna use my Street Thief of Velath distinction, my Guile at d12, and, uh... I feel like Understand would be the, the best one for picking a lock.
0: Yeah, Understand so, or so. Overcome, I think, would work, but that sounds yeah. great. Okay, uh, that's also at a D8. So
1: 2D8 plus a D12. Nice. And then, yeah. And then... So, human... oh, uh, and the D12 lockpicks. Oh yeah, and the D12 lock picks. There we go. Okay, so I definitely beat it with like a... Yeah, a bunch. <laughs> That's a uh, fourteen, and then a D twelve for my effect die. Nice. Wow. That Answer. is
0: a that is a heroic success. A D twelve effect die that is then stepped up. So I'm going to say, uh, let's give a free plot point and have those lockpicks be an asset for the rest of the game. The rest of the session. Wow, nice. So they basically are added permanently to your character sheet. And then if this was a campaign, you'd be able to, like, spend experience or growth to kind of continue it on. But for the Excellent. rest of the session, you got him.
5: Chef kiss. Lock for the thief.
0: All right. And so uh, the four of you and your four spren head out into this area uh, where Capo uh, is searching. Are you looking? What are you looking for? I am looking for a weapon. Okay, so you can search and make a weapon with uh, your effect die, or you can just spend a plot point and create a d6 weapon of your choice. What do you want to do?
4: I would like to roll. Uh, And I'm going to roll, obviously, warrior with vigor. No, that doesn't make sense. With courage. Yeah, courage works. And protect
5: you're a fighting rock eater?
4: Yes. I'm a fourth son. Fourth sons go to war. Fourth sons are expendable. Second yeah. son, he is cook. Food important. I know cook. I kill. <laughs> Third son's craftsman.
5: What if you want to be a cook?
4: No, it's not for fourth son to cook. Fourth son is to kill.
0: Fourth son could kill two brothers. <laughs> and then you be the
2: <laughs> Um okay.
0: Searching for a weapon down here is pretty easy. I'm just going to set it at 2d6. Okay. Oh, but I rolled high. It's an 11.
4: They must have sold it. Stop it.
5: It's Merrick. Stop
4: rolling high.
5: Merrick is go, the stormfather.
4: Go go, get, go to your cupboard and go get your light blue dice, please. Those are the ones <laughs> I like to start rolling with. The light blue dice. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so what do we got here? We got a d8, and we got a d10 for courage, and then another d10.
1: All right. Ice bag.
4: You said 12.
0: Uh, It is an 11, so you must get a 12, yeah.
4: 12 or higher.
0: These light blue ones?
4: (laughs) Which ones? Yeah, those ones. <laughs> no, I
5: think you mean a different set. I think I know exactly what that Laurier means.
4: The ones he couldn't roll with at the last... Yeah. Well, this was like two years ago.
5: The ones that were bad for you.
4: Yeah. Uh So I got two ones and an eight. Oh, dear.
0: Oh, no. Okay, okay. So, um... You want
4: to trade dice? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you look around and you find... Uh, you know a couple of things that you can grab to uh to be a weapon like you grab uh a broom handle or those sorts of things nothing that's like really super impressive but unfortunately you get two hitches so you're yeah. gonna gain a plot point yeah and then I'm going to spend. The hitches to create a D eight complication that is going to be oh okay um oh no oh you go to grab like something from the, you go to grab something from the top shelf with your sprained wrist and it goes from a D six to a D ten.
4: I like that. Well done. Twice. Mm-hmm. Ow. Well, yeah, I like that. Well done.
5: Is this the, the same on that as? This week? Oh no! Is this the same as Tales of Zadia, where if he gets over D twelve, then uh, he's out?
0: That's correct. So if your consequence gets stepped up past a D twelve, you're taken out of the scene, and that basically means you're overcome by. Pain or frustration and you just
1: peace out.
5: Come to me for healing.
1: Need to get some storm light first.
4: <laughs>
5: yeah. I can already do like old school medicine. Yeah.
4: So I pick up the broom and I turn to the group and I say, Walk softly, I have big stick. <laughs>
5: Perfect. Defend us with the stick.
0: (laughs) Okay, and then so from there, you can see into uh, a large storage area, which has got um, some big barrels probably full of, um, like, uh, storm water that's been cleared of creme. Uh, There's a a stairway that goes up. Uh, There's a dolly and a cart and a ladder as well.
4: Like just a ladder up or a ladder just like sitting off on the side. Like we're in a basement. Oh,
0: you are go. in a basement and that ladder leads up to a trap door. Okay. And then there's a set of stairs right there. So is a ladder to a
5: trap door. Both? You never split the
0: party. <laughs> Oh Yeah, I've got a thing. Please continue. Make your things. Uh
5: my thought would be to go up because we are probably it seems very likely in a basement. So down Wait. probably won't bring us to escape. I think they're both up. The trapdoor's up? Yes. That's not how trapdoors work.
1: Trap in the ceiling. Trapdoor door in
5: the ceiling. No, gonna, the like, trap not go door. down. Trapdoor. Ah!
1: <laughs> we are on the underside of the
0: trap door. This is not a, yeah, like there's a trap door and then there's a Pratt door.
5: Okay. Clearly door? the trapdoor, okay. then because they won't be expecting it. It's a trap.
4: I see what you did there. You just said trap backwards. Yeah. But then <laughs> yeah. I missed <had> the letters. <laughs> it's door. There you go
5: through the parch door.
0: Okay. So you move forward into that area and um, who's the last person coming out of uh, this uh, area with the open storage instead of the stuff with the, with the
4: canvas over it? Not me. I feel like Capo's just wandering around, still trying to find weapons when there's none to find.
0: Alright, so as Capo is sort of looking around and uh, looking for weapons, um, he bumps a shelf, and there's a small glass vial that rolls and then crashes down sort of beside you, breaking open, and you smell this floral perfume that gives you a sudden memory from last night. You were drinking with somebody at the Blood of the Vine. That person was an uh, uh, from Iriali, golden long hair, um, very Iriali's f- good drinkers, very fine features, um, and he said his name was Jin. Jin
4: also good drink.
2: Jin is so gorgeous. pretty.
4: He's very pretty.
5: <laughs> I would like Jin's hair immediately.
0: <laughs> have it be shiny and metallic as well.
5: Yeah. Oh,
2: if I could have metal hair.
5: <laughs> metal highlights, perfect.
4: Does everybody smell the perfume, or was it just me that was drinking with Jin?
0: Um, as the smell sort of like begins to, uh, waft, waft outward, uh, everybody gets that and suddenly they, you all do recall, you spent a little bit of time with this person last night who wore this perfume and was very, very strong on them.
5: Hmm. We went a little excessive on the perfume.
1: Perhaps, but at least it's refreshing our memory slightly.
5: Yes, but I still desperately wish to be made aware of where my cello is. You play the cello. How fabulous. It is my calling. In my town, no one knows how to play the cello. We only have fiddles. I would love to hear it. Help me find it.
4: On peaks, we listen to music of the water.
5: Do Faden's have callings, too?
4: Yep, they're a Voran
0: nation.
5: Oh, I need to hear what my calling is.
0: I mean, your calling might be... Trade? Trade.
5: Yeah, I don't actually know what the callings
0: all are. So. It's just whatever your profession is.
5: Ah, the thing you need to do with your life, because you love it so much. No, then mine would be um like what would you call like cross germination of plants and like learning how to make stronger, better crops. Botany,
4: plant husbandry, botany, yeah,
5: botany. Oh. I like that way better than plant husbandry. <laughs> plant
0: husbandry. What about
5: plant wifery? <laughs> oh, <laughs>
0: hmm. and then so yeah, every sort of every Vorin, uh chooses a calling and a virtue. And as long as you um, try to elevate your calling and live according to your virtue, the Almighty will, you know, be happy with you in the next life as you go on to reclaim the Tranquiline Halls.
5: I just want to go back. I don't want to do any kind of plant spousery at all. (laughs) (laughs) But botany, I'm into that.
1: All right. My calling so, is self-preservation. <laughs> Fair
0: so um, as you move forward, um, you can see that there is uh, some rain coming through uh, around the edges of the trap door. It looks as if there uh, that might actually lead out to the street and that there is a, a little bit of storm brewing right now.
2: Oh, oh. That is oh. bad. The beginning or the yeah.
5: end
0: unclear.
5: Because we mark, don't know what time it is or anything. We should go up the stairs.
1: It might be the safer option at this point. If there's a high storm going on, we don't want to go out into it.
4: Capo got caught in high storm once, never again.
5: Well, I certainly don't know how long we've been down here. Maybe we shouldn't risk the trapdoor. Capo, did you want to lead the way up the stairs with your big stick?
4: I go open door with big stick. Okay. This thing is right. So,
0: you head up the stairs. Um, Do you want to go ahead and Like, are you moving stealthily, quietly?
4: As quietly as a Horn Eater can.
0: Okay. So go ahead and make uh, a roll for stealthiness. Difficulty. All right. Difficulty will be a seven.
4: I'm going to go with uh, Horn Eater Warrior, because, you know, they can be sneaky. Uh, I'm gonna go with well, the only one that makes sense for being sneaky is guile, and I'm not good at that. But I'm gonna choose guile. It's a D4. Yeah, guile makes sense. That is sneakiness. Um, and then protect again because I'm protecting my new friends. Sounds good. With my big stick. With my big stick. Uh. And I need a d8. Where's my pretty d8? There it is. Okay, what's the difficulty?
0: Uh, it is a 7.
4: Ooh, wow. Well, I got uh, a 4 on the d4, another 4. And then I'm going to use my D8 as my effect die. So I'm going to have an 8 with an effect of a D8. Okay. So you climb up the stairs incredibly quietly.
0: I'm going to reveal.
2: Oh, oh,
0: oh. Blah. So if you scroll down. you'll see a new area revealed. And you're in the main floor of a large equipment shop. There's a whole bunch of things like extra wagon wheels, there's rope, there's barrels, there's bedding, there's all sorts of things that caravaneers might need. Um, There's a set of double doors right here. Uh, There is a set, like, right beside you... um, Uh, By the stairs. There's another set of double doors right here that heads towards kind of where the the trap door was. Hmm. You can see a number of windows have uh, their shutters pulled against the storm. And as you, oh, and there's a set of stairs that goes up to another level, which above you is a number of catwalks. You can see that there's definitely some rooms up there. There's like a, um, there's probably like a front office sort of area. There's some catwalks that go over the shelving. And then there's a spot towards the back with a, um, with like a winch and crane for bringing stuff in and uh, dropping it down onto the sales floor.
4: Oh, okay.
0: And um, sort of like, you're creeping up the stairs and looking around, and you notice uh, two sort of middle-aged, uh, spindly-figured, um, like shop owners sort of settling things on the shelves uh, and uh, just sort of making themselves busy.
4: They oh, not- where are they? Um. So I kind of want to sneak up behind them and go... Hey Goncho, why you lock me up?
0: Hey,
4: hey, hey! Uh, one sec. Do, 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 do. I need generic tokens. Oh, for a second, I thought you were gonna say general tokens.
0: Uh, general tokens. Um, they're just kind of working in the middle of the store. So with okay. your like super big stealth roll, um, and your great effect you can absolutely walk up behind them. They're very
4: busy working on their on their shelving. I'm going to turn and say, like, just sort of wave, and then I'm going to sneak up behind the Herdazians and go, Goncho, why you lock me up? And uh, they turn around and, like,
0: jump, and uh, the woman says, um, Oh! How'd you get out? Oh no, oh no, Jin's not gonna like this. And uh, the man who's like holding his chest and breathing heavily, he's like, oh, we're in for it now. I'm sorry.
5: I'm gonna come up the stairs when I hear this.
0: Yeah.
1: I follow.
4: There you go, moved you in. What do you want to say? This cage you built, this thing not to keep Porn eater in. Where, Jin?
0: Um, um. Okay, so you're going to ask where's Jin? You want the information. They're scared of you, but they're also scared of Jin. So we're in a contest.
4: So I'm here, Jin. Not.
0: <laughs> so you go ahead and roll your. Uh, you're convinced to try and get them to tell you a thing, and then they will choose whether to give in or equivocate.
4: Okay. I am a horn eater, big guy. So I'll use my D eight there. Um, I'm going to use vigor because I'm large. Sure. To intimidate. Where did I vigor die? You'll do. Uh, and then I will use. Feels like a judge. I yeah, I feel like it could be a judge. <laughs> That's a D4, Shething though. Them
0: unworthy.
5: Throw some shade.
4: <laughs> I mean, you narrate overcome. how it is.
0: Yeah, could be overcome.
4: Yeah, like I think a, overcome. I'm going to overcome... Uh, Sorry, go good?
0: Yeah, so like a judge would be like, you have done wrong. Come clean. But an overcome would be like, give it to me now or I hurt you.
4: I feel like Capo's more yeah. of a give it to me now or I hurt you kind of guy. Yeah, uh, because they locked up people with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Capo just sees you all as his friends. By the way, I don't just you woke up after drinking. Uh, a night of drinking equals friends. That's how night it works with Capo.
5: And then abduction
0: friends. Yeah,
4: if you wake up in a in a drunk tank with people after a night of drinking, they're best friends now.
0: <laughs> I mean, you were drinking with Jin last night too. He's probably your best friend, right?
4: That's right. But yeah.
0: He's not in the drug tank.
4: That's why I want to know where he is. I need to thank him for buying me all those glasses of Horneater White and then pound him on the head to make him know how I feel from the headache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, so overcome is a D8 as well. Oh, you're pretty. Okay. Do you oh, give you. me a difficulty or is it? No. In this place, of course context, <laughs> In this te-
0: um, in this setup, it's a contest. The player rolls first, and then the NPC chooses do I just give in and give this person what they want, or do I try and fight it?
4: Got it, based on the strength of my roll. That makes sense. Okay, well that was a pretty good roll. So that is a 16 with a d8 effect die.
0: Uh, I'm sorry, a 16 with a d8 effect die?
4: That is correct, yes. Um, Okay,
0: so... You got a sixteen with a D eight effect die. There's literally no possible way for these poor herdazian non main character NPCs to get higher. The best they could roll is a twelve, and so um, the uh, the two of them just kind of start. Oh, I um. All right, I'm very, very sorry. That's not the sort of thing we don't do this very often. Jin has a run of the basement, and he owns this place. And if you go quick, if you go quick, um, you can catch him. Uh, he's at the Blood of the Vine, um, wine house. It's uh, it's a storm shelter, and if you go now, uh, you, you you'll get there before the storm hits.
4: We know this thing. We spent time. Storm just come. Storm pass.
0: Uh, it's just starting up now. Stormwall hasn't See. come. If you hurry, you'll be able to uh, get there before the storm hits. If you wait here, the storm will pass and Jin might leave.
5: I wanted to do something whilst this talking was going on, this negosh, this combat.
0: Sure, what do you want to do?
5: I wanted to look around the room. How's it lit? Are there stormlight globes and all the lamps? I'm staking them.
0: All right. And so um make a uh so this is to recover your power. Uh you make a test to uh recover stormlight. Um what are you doing to search around for some spheres?
5: I will use um, year will help me to locate them. So he'll be flitting around the walls, being a rainbow sprain, and then I will use my like I guess reason. I, I don't know how hard it is to look at the wall and be like, I see lights. Yep. And then I'll use my um prepare to get them. I don't know what to use for a value.
0: Um, prepared makes sense to me, yeah. You're setting yourself up to have resources later. And so it's pretty easy to find spheres. I'm going to say 2d6, but because it's just at the beginning of a high storm, a lot of the spheres are done. So I'm going to add an extra d6 as just sort of a situational um, difficulty.
5: That totes makes sense.
0: Which means you have to beat a 7.
5: Uh, Yeah, I got a 9 and a uh, d10 effect.
0: Nice. So I'm going to say that as you're searching around, you find a um, like sort of a register at the front with a number of infused spheres. And you're able to grab enough stormlight that everybody can uh, like grab a sphere and have a little bit of jolt. And all of your surge binding abilities are back
2: sweet.
4: Fantastic. Not what about explain our sprained wrists and our broken backs? Uh, that is only
0: if you then start using your stormlight. So you would make a roll to heal and so on. I see. Like you say, okay, I suck in the stormlight and I'm going to start healing and so on and so on. Sorry, Jen, what was it you're, you were saying?
5: I was just saying Kitta doesn't explain. Like, she'll just because we can see that the people that, like have spread and probably or, okay, so I'll just hang up. But I'm not going to explain to the Hardazians that I'm like, they ask what I'm doing, I'm just not going to respond.
0: Oh, they are very, very invested in the Horn Eater in front of them, shouting them down. Um,
5: so then I'll go around <laughs> and be like, Mina, Nimi, Thank you. Rock. <laughs>
4: So, Rock what is do you want to do? Soft second son.
0: <laughs> um, what would you like to do? And Why Rock is it? actually a third son. He just likes to cook. Oh, really? Oh, I thought he was second son. That makes yeah. sense. He says that he's a third son, but he likes to cook. Yeah.
5: Good food is craft. Yeah. Uh, I want to go out into the just starting high storm and get to that shelter yeah. and can run in.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the two Herdazians uh, are like very happy to help you out and one of them says, do you need cloaks? And the other one's like, shh. She's like, okay. Bye then.
5: Yes.
4: Yeah, cloaks please.
2: Okay. Yeah, you give, get give us the
0: cloaks. <laughs>
4: also, here's Broom. I might have broken. Sorry? Okay, Run. so
0: um, as you head out into the high storm, you find yourselves in Little Herdaz, only a couple of streets over from the Blood of the Vine uh, Wine House that you were at, probably last night.
4: I find a chowta in my left pocket.
0: <laughs> and uh, the the wind is starting to pick up. You can see that the streets are empty. Um, rain is pelting down, and the storm wall is visible in the distance, past the wind blades of Kolinar. You're going to have to rush as fast as you can.
5: I'm the slowest.
0: Okay, so no promises,
5: because I'm so my pack's brain.
0: You, oh yeah, your pack's brain. Okay, so um Ooh, let's let's do a little bit of a music change.
1: Nimmy just zooms.
5: Zoomies. nimmy has got the zoomies.
1: Yeah. She was just locked up in a cage. I gotta I gotta be free.
5: My coworker in. had the zoomies yesterday and it was the cutest thing. They <laughs> couldn't concentrate or any thing and I was like Go outside to our huge empty back lot and zoom if you need to zoom. <laughs> I love them.
0: Okay, so the um, the high storm hasn't start to started to blow in earnest, but there's definitely a chance that um, something will catch you and you might get hurt or or whatnot. So the difficulty is a two d eight with a one d six. And then Jen, you've got a D eight sprained back.
5: You're welcome.
0: And uh Laurier, you've got a D ten sprained wrist.
4: I don't run with my wrist. <laughs>
5: no no four foot runs.
4: But like it slows Magog. you down because you're in pain. Oh, I you
0: suppose. You can't
5: swing your arms to run. You have to hold onto your chest and like not bounce it.
0: Um, Okay, so everybody's difficulty is going to be a little bit different, so I'm going to go with Alex first. Your difficulty is ooh, a 12.
5: Good thing Nemi's roomy.
0: And then we're going to go with Sierra because yours is unmodified as well. Your difficulty is only a 7. Oh, good. And then... Uh, Laurier, you've got a D10 sprained wrist. Oof, oof. Your difficulty is a 17. And then, uh, Jen, you've got a D8 sprained back. So your difficulty is a thirteen. I've written those down, and all of you have d8 effect dice. So From um, like all of my effect dice for everybody just happen to all be d eights.
5: Ah gotta 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 got, got it.
0: Okay, so um Who wants to go first and describe how they sprint through the beginnings of a high storm trying to move as quickly as they can ahead of the storm wall towards the Blood of the Vine Alehouse, Winehouse. Go for it.
5: Um, So I will have my spren direct me to the safest footing. He's going ahead of me with my minimal vigor. King. a bit of a, a pampered musician and I will withstand this rain and possible things flying through the air nice <sighs> and I failed with a hitch
0: oh oh you yeah you got a seven and yours was only a seven ouch uh
5: you don't have any pop points to spend again just add one of your dice I do have plot points. But but she can't
0: add a die. None of those things are things. She got a 7, and her third die was a 1, so it can't be added to the roll.
5: I didn't realize that couldn't be added. Bummer, because she only needs a (laughs) 1.
0: Yeah. So you're going to gain another plot point, but you're going to get a d10 of um, bruised and battered as some like uh, bits of stone fly off of a roof and slam into you.
1: Well, that's not fun.
5: I don't want to be deep fried. (laughs) What's a trait set?
0: Uh, Distinction is a trait set. Uh, Values is a trait set attributes as a trade set
5: perfect thank you
0: so um, who next Laurier uh, how do you go
4: through the storm uh, so I received a 16 uh, um, however no,
0: you got a 17
4: no no that's what I rolled was 16 oh okay yeah. However, (laughs) my other die was a 2, so I'm going to spend a plot point to add that in.
0: Nice. Okay, so you get the 18, um, and you succeed, and you're able to push your way through um, and not take any additional hurt or pain as you arrive.
4: Um, I'm going to retcon that I gave back the broom, and I'm going to slip on one of the cobblestones, but catch myself by slamming the broomstick down into the cobblestones and continue running.
0: Sounds cool. All right, um, Jen, Alex.
5: Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, Kit is going to use again Trader from rural Yakabad. This is not the first storm she's had to flee from. Uh, she got caught in fields before. She's going to use courage. She is very courageous, and so she's not going to hesitate in her movements. Uh, she is going to use a um, overcome again to overcome the winds and the debris that's starting to come in. And I'm going to spend one of my uh, plot points to add more dice, and I'm going to add a from my attributes a d six guile again. To be wily while running through this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. I rolled so good, which is not my usual MO. But I need to be a thirteen?
0: Yeah, you need to beat a thirteen.
5: Barely. I rolled a six, six, seven, eight. So I don't beat it.
0: No, no, no. Your seven and your eight is a fifteen.
5: I was thinking it was a sixteen,
0: or a uh, six and eight is fourteen.
5: Yeah, I'll use my six and my eight and a fourteen, which gives me a D eight uh, shubadoop
0: effect die. Excellent, well done. Yeah.
1: Okay, and then Alex, that's a great shubadoop. Okay, term. I am going to do be uh, use my edge dancer distinction as become all slippery. I'm uh, going to be using my guile to uh, navigate the streets. And... You're so
4: awesome, Alex. Your awesomeness <laughs> is astounding.
1: So awesome. I'm just going to cover myself in awesomeness. <laughs> I, was,
4: I
5: was picturing that um, your character turned Nimi to, to noodles. You were talking about that
1: earlier. Awesome. And then I'm going to use withstand to withstand the incoming battering rain and forces. All right. And you've got to be to 12. Uh, I got a 14 with my D8 and my D10 and a D12 effect die. Awesome!
0: And so you edge dancer through it with the highest levels of awesomeness. So zoomy. So zoomy. So slick. And so, uh, just a little bit of bookkeeping. Um, Alex Laurier, Jen succeeded, and Sierra, you got a D10 bruised and battered. Yep.
5: I'm sorry, Sierra. Okay. <laughs> I should have used my my courage to be determined. Okay. Next turn. Okay.
0: And so, you arrive in front of the large and uh, opulent Blood of the Vine um, Wine House, and you step in, and there are a number of people, sort of sitting around the tables. Uh, huddling against the storm, but, you know, keeping up a strong front. There's a mixture of uh, light eyes and dark eyes, um, usually light eyes of kind of a middling dawn, and dark eyes that are more of a um, a worker class, like hired hands. And as you sort of step in and throw your gaze across the... Um, the area. I'll reveal it. You can see Jin sitting in a booth on the left hand uh, side of the alehouse. And he stands up wide eyed as he stares at you. And I assume all of you suck in a little bit of stormlight and begin to glow a little
5: bit. Yeah! Absolutely.
0: <laughs> <a> <laughs> Alright, so what we're gonna do is we're just gonna immediately house rule this and say, as you suck in the stormlight and so on, all of your um, uh, complications that you have will step down by one. So the d10s become d8s, d8s become d6. That makes sense.
5: Absorbing stormlight.
0: Yeah, and then that is where we'll end it for tonight, and we will organize in the WhatsApp um, another session, because this is fun. And now let's get some actual, like, Stormlight, Surge
4: Binding, combat.
5: Yeah. I really like
4: this system a lot.
5: But Laurie, yeah, give her baby cool. a bottle.
4: I'm going to give her the best bottle she's ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Until she's tomorrow.
5: A, she's a baby. Every bottle is the best bottle.
4: Exactly.
5: Is this bottle full of gin? works. It might be. No, that one's for <laughs> Lori. <laughs> <laughs> What's it for the baby? It's for the daddy.
4: <laughs> one for me, one for you. <laughs> oh, got him mixed up there for a sec. Ooh.
0: <laughs> well, thank you everybody for playing Cortex Prime Stormlight. Um, yeah.
4: Thank you, Merrick. You are the best.
5: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we'll figure out another date and hopefully Patrick will be able to make that one and he'll just be a person in this bar. He'll be
5: Jin.
0: (laughs) He's on my team. Um, Yeah, and then once we do that, we'll uh, we'll do. We'll probably get some people, anybody who's interested, on to do a quick Discord chat and just break down the system and see what we liked about it and what we didn't like about it. I'd be down for that too.
5: By then, I'll actually be done the book instead of just halfway.
0: (laughs) There you
4: go. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. Thanks, Mark. Nice meeting you all. Good night.
0: night. well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Massive Damage Adventures. We do a different one-shot every month, and I hope you check out our next one. Please rate and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at SkyHammerK and on Instagram at SkyHammerPress. If you want some outtakes, keep listening after I stop talking. Craig is coming back. Good job, Craig. Craig usually falls apart, but g sticks
4: around. Oh, g is just Craig backwards. That makes so much sense. I, that just blew my mind.
5: It Yeah, me too. It took me a long time.
0: <laughs> Alright, and in the background right now, we have the Kaladin soundtrack from the Kickstarter, and it's uh, just music inspired by the Stormlight Archive and actually licensed through Dragonsteel Entertainment.
1: It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a good album. I
5: may have been listening to it all yesterday at work.
1: Nice. Fancy.
0: The interesting thing about equipment in this is that it's not really tracked. Um, it's only tracked when it becomes story significant and becomes an asset. So like, yeah, you've got your daggers and you've got your longbow and your whatnot, but they don't do anything until you turn them into an asset um, either by making a roll or spending plot points.
5: I have twenty shard blades.
0: <laughs> so I don't. I don't have character sheets put into um, roll twenty. I just have this so that you can control your token.
4: Yeah, I looked at my character sheet as a stone ward, and I was a tiny little mouse. And I said, "That's not right."
0: <laughs> yeah, we played mouse guard last Saturday. Noise. Ooh, actually, uh, quick break. Do you want to show off for Laurier your uh, tattoo?
4: Ooh, yes, please. Tattoo. Let me let me shift Tattoos. focus. Oh wow that's cool also i like your nail polish
1: thanks and then <laughs> on this arm i have the windrunner sigil
4: that is sick that's good line work you got that done in edmonton
1: no here in nanaimo
4: oh you're in nanaimo yeah that's why we had pacific time in the chat now there i get are, it
5: there are island babes
4: so cool. hey y'all yeah. just got uber eats didn't you that's exciting I
5: heard about oh, yeah. How
4: do you <laughs> I didn't even know about that. I know everything.
5: <laughs> what a hilarious random piece of trivia you knew.
4: Yeah, yeah, they just they just uh opened Uber Eats up on the island. It's fantastic. Okay.
5: Cool.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, uh sorry. Uh, Groovy's gonna take a little bit of time to kinda like fall apart and then come back and it's just going to be fun for me because I'll be like I'll have to grab some music from here and stretch it under and add it later.
5: Groovy's got to get the groove back.
0: Yep. Groovy just needed a pee break, man. (laughs) Sounded like Groovy came back. (sighs) Yep. Nice. Well done, Groovy.